question answers begins right now. Studies are now showing that it's in the junior high years teens begin doubting their faith in Christ. The educational system, media, and their peers present ideas that are contrary to biblical teachings. How can we prepare our children for the challenges they face? Mama Bear Apologetics was founded to equip parents to teach their children apologetics and how to be discerning truth from error at a young age. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with our host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. The last time we were together, Pat began an interview with Amy Davison of Mama Bear Apologetics. Today, we will continue on with part two of this three-part discussion. If you missed any part of this message, log on at evidenceandanswers.org. And there you will find this message entitled Mama Bear Apologetics, Equipping Parents to Raise Discerning Kids, and find hundreds more podcasts that you may download or listen online. Now, let's get right to part two. Yes, you know, I look at a lot of children's programs, even youth programs, and most of the time, you know, we're teaching them their favorite Bible stories, you know, which mm-hmm. is fine, which is good. They need, you know, Jonah and the whale, Jesus feeding the 5,000 or parting of the Red Sea. And, and pretty much that's about it. And that's great for them to learn. But like you said, when your son or they get challenged, like, what do you mean parting of the Red Sea? That that doesn't happen. You know, miracles can't happen. How do you know that actually? How do you know this guy, Jesus, even rose from the dead kind of thing? They need to know, you know, at a very young age why they believe, because at a young age, they're already being challenged in what we are now, a post-Christian, or as Greg Coco said the other day, an anti-Christian culture that Hmm. there's a lot of antagonism towards the Christian faith now. Yeah, absolutely. And especially with the influx of social media, our kids are being trained to curtail how they present themselves online to achieve the most likes and followers. And so what studies have found is that teens are more likely to post an illicit picture of themselves online rather than share their faith because they know that the illicit picture is going to get them likes and follows, but if they post their faith, that's going to get them unfriended. And so they've been cultivated by social media to even tailor their own witness and to make them fearful of not having this grandiose public opinion. And one thing you, you just mentioned, which is such a good point is part of that contributing factor to the youth exodus as well is unmet intellectual challenges Mm -hmm. because they, our kids want to know, how do I practically apply my faith to the day to day? How do I deal with my friends in the day to day? How do I reconcile these challenges to the faith. And if our youth programs are only covering the stories or only giving scripture memorizations or only having a very emotion-filled worship experience, then they're actually getting a rather superficial faith that's not going to be able to withstand the challenges of the enemy. It's that it's that seed that sprouts up in the rocky soil. Yes, it comes up quickly, but the second trials come, it ends up withering away because it doesn't have those deep roots. Yeah. So Amy, how do we help develop the skill of discernment? How do we develop that and how do we teach that skill to our children? Yeah, absolutely. So Mama Bear, we're we're bears, right? So we roar. So we've got a handy acronym that we use and, you know, kids will pick this up really quickly and you can start implementing this when you're watching TV with your kids, if there's a movie on, music on the radio. And what it is, is that it starts out with the R. The R for roar is recognize the message. So whenever something is coming across your TV screen uh, that you saw in the movies and as you're driving home from the theater, 
what you want to do is then discuss, okay, what was the message that was said? What were the things that were elevated as good? What were the things that were mocked or belittled as bad or degrading? What things were celebrated and praised? What were shameful and hidden away? So, and you want to do it as charitably and as unbiasedly as possible. So don't allow emotions to take control. Instead, just do a very fact by fact, okay, this is what was said. Why do you think they said it? So then that's recognize the message. Then we have O, which is offer objective discernment. Because again, truth exists, truth and falsehood. And very often the messages that we're seeing coming across our TV screen, they're a mixture of the two. You're never going to have you're very rarely going to encounter something that is 100% accurate or 100% false. It's always that entanglement. Okay. And so that's where we want our kids to be able to recognize, okay, yes, there's good here, but there's also some false beliefs as well. So how you offer objective discernment is by first pointing out everything that is good, that is true, or that is understandable, justifiable. And what I mean by that justifiable is even if the individual or the character or the statement is false, perhaps there's something that was said and experience that happened that led them to that conclusion. So that's where we can empathize and say, we understand why this person is making this decision or why they think this way because of this past. And you can affirm that we should rightly empathize. But empathy is one of the easiest characteristics that can be manipulated by the enemy. So while we want to rightly empathize when something we understand where this person's coming from, we don't want to let that understanding now trump logic and truth and say, okay, well, now we're not going to say anything against them because they had a rough past. No, no, no. We can still point out falsehood. We just do it gently. So that first part of the objective discernment is you point out everything that is true, moral, and or justifiable. And then you round it out with saying, okay, but now let's look at where, where things went wrong. Where did the thought process get mixed up? What, mm. what lies have crept in? What false definitions have crept their way in and pointing out that, that good, that bad, then you a argue for a healthier approach, which is where you point back towards scripture, back toward truth, back to that guiding ruler and say, okay, how do we know this is true? What do we have physically, spiritually, philosophically, you know, pointing out from all realms because truth comes not just from one specific realm, it comes from all. And so you can point out there and saying, okay, what is the healthiest approach? How does that align with scripture? How does that affirm who we are as image bearers of God? How does that affirm the nature of who God is? And then that final R is reinforce with future prayer and conversation, because as all parents know, you're going to have a ton of conversations. So you want to take advantage of those small moments. So you've got recognize the message, offer objective discernment, argue for a healthier approach, and then reinforce with future conversations. And what's beautiful about that is when you start pouring into your kids, they start now pouring into their friends. And as your kids get older, their friends are smart. They recognize, wait a second, how did my buddy here know all this stuff? Well, they must have gotten it from somewhere. Maybe that somewhere was their parents. And so I've had instances where I've been driving around my son's friends and they go, well, hey, Miss Amy, you're religious. What do you think about this? And they now ask me questions that maybe they wouldn't have asked somebody else. And we're able to have great discipleship opportunities, even within my, my kid's friend group, just because of discipling. Our, my son. So when we pour into our kids, it do, it never just stays with them. It seeps out. It's that, you know, I believe it's Hebrews 11, one God's word never goes out and comes back empty handed. It never stays in your kids. It always ends up spreading out and it has lasting effects. Yeah. And to be able to teach those skills with your kids at a very young age, it's a skill that 
they'll carry with them for the rest of their life. So you, if you can instill it in them at a very young age, it's like, you know, coaching uh, and athletic sport here. You know, if you can teach your child at a young age, the proper way to swing a golf club or a baseball bat. I mean, if they get the technique right at a very young age, they, it pays big dividends as they go through their sports career. Same thing here, you know, in their intellectual and spiritual life, you can teach them those skills of discernment at a very young age. Like you said, man, it'll pay big dividends uh, as they move on and begin to study more complex uh, issues such as, you know, the science and philosophy and they get into philosophy of history uh, as they get into their upper grades and into the collegiate scene. Yeah, absolutely. And even, you know, even if you are a parent who you're just coming into the knowledge of apologetics and you've got high schoolers or college age kids, their hope is not lost. So I had one parent, uh, he came up and he was like, gosh, I feel like I dropped the ball because my, here, my son's going off to college. I didn't know any of this stuff. And he was, he was feeling like that he had missed his opportunity. And it was, no, no, no. Here's what's amazing. If your child is still breathing and you're still breathing, the Holy Spirit is still working. <laughs> we just have to start uh -huh. talking. And so there are, there's wonderful opportunities to be made, even with older kids, even if they're out of the house and they've got kids of their own, the conversations you have can impact them and make a difference. And God can use that to even bring an adult to the faith. And we see that just as Christian believers, when we're talking to unbelieving adults who are our age, you know, sometimes that's when they come to faith. And so for some parents, that's, you know, you may not see your, your child as in like a little one come to faith, but it might be something that God works on their heart that they end up coming to faith much later. And so our role as parents is not to be the Holy Spirit. We can never fill that role, but instead to do our best to raise competent children. So that way they are accountable to the Holy Spirit and more receptive to his leading. Yes. And you saw the uh, ROAR acronym there. Those are some of the skills you're going to learn uh, when you read their book, Mama Bear Apologetics, but also some of the skills that uh, Amy will be going over at the conference here in at the Evidence and Answers Conference here in Hawaii. Amy will be our speaker teaching you these kinds of skills. Well, Amy, I mean, what do you identify as some of the biggest lies in the culture today? Yeah. And that's, that's an important distinction today because it is ever shifting. And that's uh -huh. one thing within the realm of cultural apologetics, we have to be aware of culture because in a few years from now, the challenges that we're dealing with today are going to be totally different. And so currently the biggest issue today is this concept of identity. That has been the one that has been corrupted the most. And it makes sense because here we had postmodernism come in and postmodernism denied the existence of truth to where it basically reduced everything to an opinion. But the problem with an opinion is that there's no power in that. There's no firm foundation. It's all shifting sands. And so I think we're actually out of the postmodern era. And I think what we're in now is what I've called the meta-modernist era. And if you have kids online, you know that meta, it is that artificial reality. It is It means transcending. Mm -hmm. And what it is, is it's usually these worlds that a child gets to play or an adult gets to play the godlike figure and create and alter this world. And so that's what we're seeing actually with this concept of truth that has come in. So postmodernism says you have your truth and I have my truth. Meta-modernism shifted and is now saying, I have have my truth and my truth is now your truth. And we, it has divided this truth category to everything that validates my experience gets to count as truth. And anything that doesn't validate my experience, whether it's my subjective opinion of myself, a past experience that I have, 
if it doesn't do that, well, then it falls into the harm category. And now we not only have to reject it, we have to almost, we have to destroy it. We have to get rid of it. And we're seeing even things like biology being completely rejected and denied now. Logic is completely tossed out the window because that exposes truth from falsehood. So clearly Mm -hmm. you can't have that. Theology is gone. Even mathematics now is being under attack. Uh, There are some states that will allow children to get a wrong answer to a math question. And as long as they have a good enough reason why, they'll get full credit. This is illogical. It's ridiculous. But uh, it's being, that's where we're seeing these shifts in culture. That's why our legislature is being changed. Our children's education is being changed. It's all under this concept of this subjective identity experience. Now I determine what is true, right, and real. And everybody else now needs to change their view to affirm my perception. And so, and, and it makes sense because that's just how, that's how cultures are. Whenever we pull away from God, we have to find a God substitute. C.S. Lewis, that God-sized whole, we now have to pull away. But when we pull away, we lose our ability to think well, Romans 1, 18 through 32. We lose our ability to think well, and our hearts become darkened. And then we're given over to the desires and the appetites of our hearts. So it's very subjective. It's very hedonistic. And so all of what we're seeing going on in culture today, whether it's the rise in transgenderism, it all stems from a false identity that we've built apart from God. And now we're trying to create a sort of moral structure beneath it to be able to now feed into our desires. But this moral structure that we're trying to create is deeply illogical, flawed, always leads to the degrading of the human being. And so it's deeply problematic in culture. But as long as we get enough people stirred up enough and excited Mm. enough and protest enough, well, then maybe we can get it to pass. And so that's where we're seeing our culture just crumble is because of these illogical claims that we're trying to masquerade as truth. We're trying to, it's, it's like a whole group think effort. We're trying to convince everybody that two plus two equals five. And maybe if we bully people enough and cancel people enough, we can get a culture to do that and has occurred in the past. However, when God's soldiers are firm enough, when they train their kids up, when we speak boldly in defense of our children in the public realm to the detriment of maybe our jobs or our social status, then we can fight back. Because again, like Jason Whitlock, I love what he says. He goes, when we are fearful before God, we are fearless in front of culture. And that's what we want to do. We want to be fearless. And then we want to raise the next generation to be fearless as well. Yeah, you know, you bring up a good point of how we're to engage the ideas of the culture. Second Corinthians 10, 5 says we demolish arguments yes. and every pretension set up against the knowledge. Those are actually uh, battle terms here. Absolutely. I mean, always using warfare. You talk about uh, having the courage to stand against those ideas and teach our children that there is such thing as absolute truth and there are ideas that are actually wrong out there yeah. and lifestyles that are immoral. And one of my frustrations is that so many churches are capitulating to the culture. You know, 10 years ago, I'd be talking about LGBTQI things and Jesus being the only way. And those were some of the favorite talks in churches. Mm-hmm. Today, I, you know, I have pastors saying, we are shocked at what you said, that Jesus, yeah. this is shocking, you know, and, you know, what you said that the gay lifestyle goes against biblical tea is shocking. We're stunned. You would come in and say anything like that, yes. you know, and so a lot of them don't welcome me in the churches anymore. And I've been speaking in churches for years, you know, mm-hmm. suddenly, uh, like you said, the, the culture is pushing their ideas on us. You know, Romans 12 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. But the, and the world seeks to conform us into its image. And that's yeah. the constant pressure churches and our children are getting. So 
what are some specific ways in which parents can protect their children from the many lies that the world wants to push upon them as the world seeks to conform them into its image? Yes, and we'll cover a bunch of these at the conference, so you definitely yeah. have to come. Uh -huh. But one of the best things that we as parents can do, accept the fact that we cannot keep the world out. I have encountered so many parents who will not even take their children to the grocery store during yeah. the month of wow. May and June because they don't want their kids to see anything that says love is love, everyone welcome, trans yeah. rights, equity. You know, They don't want their kids to encounter any of that, and they think that they're yeah. protecting their children. And yeah. it's a noble goal, but we're on the wrong side of heaven to have that ever work out. And that's not right. what we were commanded to do. I mean, remember Ephesians 6, we were given spiritual armor, not safe spaces. So if we're given spiritual armor, then we need to be able to wield it effectively. So for parents, it's that uncomfortable realization that I cannot keep the world out from my children. So how do I prepare them to effectively interact with the world? And so part of that is recognizing that we have to be both proactive and reactive. Proactive means the things that we're going on in culture today or the things that we know our children are going to encounter, we need to do our best to be educating and preparing and interacting with them on that. But then also knowing that omniscience is not a spiritual gifting. We are not going to know all the things. There's going to be things that your kids are going to come home and say, hey, mom and dad, guess what we talked about today on the bus or in class? And we have to positively be reactive to those situations as well in a way that our children know that they can come back to us for future answers and future discussion. And the best way to do that is, as Katie Faust coined it, the term, the no flinch rule. You can't freak out no matter what they come home saying, as tempting as it is to pull them out of maybe public <laughs> school and chuck them into a bunker. It's not practical. Instead, we okay, this is what's come on, come on our doorstep, let's interact with it. And you don't have to know everything to where if something comes through, you're not familiar with it, just say, okay, great question. I don't really know, but I've been wanting to look this up. Do you mind? Can I do some research? And then we can get back to you. I can get back to you in a few days. And most kids, they'll be, they'll be totally fine with that. They'll move on with their day. And then that's where we as parents go do informational recon, do some reading, come back to our kiddos and say, hey, buddy, great question that you had the other day. I actually found some things. Do you mind if I share with you what I found? And most kids will be like, yeah, sure. And then you want to make sure that you're presenting that both sides using that roar method. Okay. This is what you encountered. This is why they said what they said or what has led them to believe this, but what is truth? What is reality? And then how can you in your next situation where this comes up, what are some ways that you can navigate a discussion with your friends or what happens if somebody on the bus challenges you with this? So you, you discuss all the sides and then give them practical tips on how to interact with it well. And part of the ways we do that is, again, worldview awareness. What is a worldview? A worldview, as James Sire says in the universe next door, it answers core questions about reality, like what is true? What are human beings? What is reality? What is sin, human history, and what happens after we die? And so when our kids are capable of recognizing that everything, and we're not just talking Hinduism, Wicca, Christianity, everything is an expression of a worldview, then when a song comes on, when Taylor Swift starts going on their playlist and they hear these lyrics they can actually stop and evaluate, wait, what is actually being said here? What is being trumpeted as truth? And so when we kind of, when we can help our kids recognize that there are truth claims being made, that all forms of art are an expression of a worldview, it's up to us to distinguish what that worldview is. Well, then they'll be less likely to succumb to culture because they're basically going to be able to see the attacks coming. And that's where that discernment, that worldview engagement 
that charitable interaction of other worldviews is so vital to our kids is because we know that the world is marketing a secular worldview to them from the time they're toddlers, Peppa Pig, Bubble Guppies, Blues Clues. I mean, it's all in there. And while an 18 month old may not be able to recognize it, we as parents can help build up those foundation of truth in God's word. So that way, as they get older and start asking questions, then they'll be prepared to be able to effectively interact with culture. Yes, and that's what I like about Mama Bear Apologetics. You know, you may not have to have all the knowledge, but if you have the skills to be able to discern truth from error and, and discuss issues like this and the ability to discern truth from error and see false arguments, uh, that's a very valuable skill for all the parents. You have great discussion with your teens and children. And, you know, one of the things in Barna's survey that really turned off teens from Christianity is that it seemed like Christians were afraid of the world. You know, mm -hmm. like you said, they demonize everything. Darwinism, demonic, demonic. And yeah. demonic. Don't watch that movie. Demonic. <laughs> right, demonic. Right. Harry Potter, demonic, demonic. Mm -hmm. And instead, you know, I remember when I was a youth pastor, they, you know, want to go see a movie like Avatar or something. I said, yeah, let's go see it. Let's yeah. go. And they'd be surprised. Like, what? Pastor wants to go see it. Avatar. I'm like, yeah. And then let's let's go to Starbucks and let's talk about it. What was yeah. the message? What was the worldview? Is it true? Is it false? Great discussions we'd have where they'd come and say, hey, look what we're reading. We're reading mm -hmm. this Hemingway. And I'm like, oh, let me read it too. You know, and we'd have discussions about how'd you find Hemingway? Kind of depressing, huh? Why do mm -hmm. you think that is? Why do you think all his novels kind of end on Sour note, is it true what he's saying? You know, yes, it is. If God doesn't exist, this is this is the world, you know. Yeah. And when you can you show that you're not afraid of the world or the ideas of the world. In fact, you can interact and engage with it and point out truth and error. That's uh tremendously valuable, not only the skills for our teens to learn, but just to see how Christians aren't afraid of the world. In fact, we've got the answers to really answer the challenges of the one we, and that our faith provides the best answers to the questions that are out there. Absolutely. And I think in, in intellectual honesty that especially the younger generation really appreciates it's being mm -hmm. in the world, but not of it saying, okay, let's interact. Let's have discussions because so many of these movies have amazing Christian themes or anti-Christian themes mm -hmm. that we can now discuss and help them recognize. And the teens really appreciate that because, you know, eventually they're going to grow out of the veggie tales phase. And yeah. if they haven't been trained, how do we, how do we consume media healthfully? How do we interact with these ideas that are coming in? I mean, as a parent, my, I have a teen son and he wanted to watch Outer Banks. And so very popular among the teen group. It's okay. Let's watch it together. And we were able to discuss a hookup scene. It didn't show anything, but it was just the encounter and the, the fallout from that and how we were able we were able to say okay look do you see why this boy wants to continue to have this relationship with this girl but she's just blowing him off this actually affirms god designed for sexuality because it was meant as bonding we were able to talk about the biological components as well as the physical and the spiritual implications of the actions that we do with our bodies from a secular tv show because more than likely once your kid leaves the house you know if you just have the dove channel on the, the whole time okay yeah. but once they leave the house they're going to be <laughs> they're going to be interacting yep. with the world yeah. And if we haven't trained them on how to interact with the world well, they will crumble to it or yeah. they they will start compromising. They won't know how to effectively be in the world, not of it. And that's why it's just so important for us as parents too to help equip our kids to navigate that adult life and to recognize, hey, you know what? This movie, yeah, it's funny. It's hilarious. 
but here's the problematic themes. We were, I was just able to do that with my oldest. We went and saw Barbie together and mm. we were able to interact with, okay, what is this thing about motherhood? What is this saying about feminism? How does it describe patriarchy and vilify mm. masculinity? And mm. we had an amazing discussion on the way home from this movie and be able to, to say, you know what? This movie was hilarious, but masked behind the humor are these worldview claims that vilify men and give a false perception of feminism that is actually leading to the degradation of culture. And it was an amazing experience that we got to have. And it was a blessing for him because he's now able to say, okay, yes, there's some movies, some TV shows, some streaming programs. We we just don't go there. However, when the world comes in, how can I interact with this well and charitably? And it's it was a, a great moment of growth that we were able to have. Once again, we've run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers. Our goal is to bring you the love of Christ and to equip you in your faith to always be ready to give a response. If you would like to hold an apologetics conference or series of teachings at your facility, contact Pat by calling him in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586. Or you may email him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Be sure to browse through our listing of topics on our site. We have everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism. You will also find articles and additional audio free to listen to or download. An additional location to find Pat's messages is on YouTube. Look up Evidence and Answers and hit the subscribe button. To keep quality broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous financial support from you, our listeners. Donating is simple. Just log on at evidenceandanswers.org. Evidence and Answers is grateful for one of our sponsors, the Honolulu Christian Church. If you don't have a home church and are looking for a place to grow in your faith, check out the Honolulu Christian Church. For service times, log in at honoluluchristian.org. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucharek.